Welcome to Walking in Faith with Bishop Daly. I'm Bishop Tom Daly, the seventh bishop of the Diocese of Spokane here in Eastern Washington State. But today I'm very happy to uh, have an interview with um, Professor uh, Doug Kreese from Gonzaga University. I've known uh, Doctor for, uh, well, since my years as a vocation director, and he was uh, liaison, I believe, during that time with uh, Bishop White Seminary. And when our students still to this day who attend Bishop White uh, live there and attend the university, uh, Dr. Kreese is a professor of philosophy. He and uh, Professor Brian Clayton have written a book, Two Wings, Integrating Faith and Reason. And our show today is really an, an opportunity uh, to interview, to hear about this book, to hear about what's going on at Gonzaga in light of the 20th anniversary of uh, Pope uh, John Paul, St. John Paul's document, Faith and Reason, the encyclical, uh, which was promulgated in September of, of 98. So maybe a little bit of background, uh, Dr. Kreese, about yourself, how long you've been to the university, where you're from, your education, your interest, how you became a philosopher. Sure. Well, thank you, uh, Bishop Daly. Um, I was uh, raised in Idaho, a small town called uh, Kamii, St. Catherine's Parish mm -hmm. there. Um, I attended uh, Seattle University as an undergraduate and then did my uh, graduate studies in theology at Boston College. Mm -hmm. I've been at Gonzaga in one way or another since uh, 1990. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, that's that's kind of my background. Uh, now, as far as the book, uh, so when Father Spitzer became uh, president of Gonzaga, uh, he was very interested in founding something like a Faith and Reason uh, Institute. Mm -hmm. uh, John Paul II released his uh, document in 1998, and so uh, this worked perfectly. Uh, the institute was founded in 1999, mm -hmm. and um, Brian and I and some others at Gonzaga, uh, along with Father Spitzer, developed this course mm -hmm. called uh, simply Faith and Reason. And uh, as you say, we're coming upon 20 years now. And so uh, Brian and I took the course and uh, uh, wrote it up uh, into uh, a book. And uh, so that's... Uh, uh, how the book came to be. It's based on classroom experiences. Mm -hmm. And um, and so it, it coincides uh, with the, uh, as you say, the 20th year anniversary, doing a bunch of uh, events to uh, help celebrate the 20 uh, years um, uh, since Fides at Ratio was released. Uh, probably the headliner here is... Uh, that uh, Archbishop Chaput, the Archbishop of Philadelphia, is going to be here on September 14th, going to be at Gonzaga at December for, uh, uh, September 14th. <clears throat> and um, uh, the, that's actually the exact uh, anniversary, se September 14th. The evening before, uh, we've got uh, uh, my friend and uh, well-known author, uh, Robert Royal is going to speak right. uh, on the encyclical. So he's, he's sort of the warm-up act, mm -hmm. but uh, he's very uh, knowledgeable about these things. Um, uh, he f appears on uh, EWTN mm -hmm. frequently and uh, edits uh, a site uh, called The Catholic Thing. Mm -hmm. And then we've also, uh, there's going to be a, a film uh, on September 19th, and we're going to have a panel discussion okay. on September 23rd. 
So it's an all-inclusive opportunity. And the, the, the people of Greater Eastern Washington are invited to, to this? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it's free. It's open to the public. The two lectures are at 7 in the Globe Room mm -hmm. uh, at uh, Gonzaga. And uh, everybody's welcome to come. Just a little pitch. We'll talk about this at the end. Um, you can see this on the website for uh, Gonzaga and the Faith and Reason Institute. And I would encourage our listening audience uh, to come to the university uh, to really at this time when we're, we're trying to seek truth. As Jesus said, the truth will set you free. And re as we're recording this uh, show, the Bishop and the Vicars, and talking to uh, Professor Kreese, this is a time we know in the church where there are many statements being made uh, regarding uh, the abuse crisis, the situation with uh, former uh, Cardinal McCarrick, and what here, as the, in the words of Archbishop Vineron of Detroit, is we're here to find the truth. And in this culture of relativism um, and kind of the, what they view as the whatever, nothing really matters, it's all about how I feel, opportunities to draw upon the rich intellectual tradition of the church articulated by St. John uh, Paul, and also our professors here in the philosophy department at Gonzaga University. I'd encourage the uh, faithful, come and uh, if not all nights, come at least one of them and hear and listen and being able to, to discover the richness of our church's teaching and theology and philosophy. So again, but uh, Doug, back a little bit more about, um, so the class, Mm -hmm. uh, you, you teach, uh, how many sections do you teach and what are the topics as oh, a professor? Um, sometimes we would have two or three mm -hmm. uh, sections a okay. term. Uh, it just depends on the term. The topics, uh, well, actually my colleague uh, Brian Clayton was very good about uh, uh, realizing early on what it was that the students needed to hear about. Okay. And mostly those were two things. Um, one, there are some students who uh, are convinced that the only way to truth is through the natural sciences and that natural science is uh, inextricably set against faith of any sort. Mm -hmm. So it's faith versus reason okay. uh, in this view. And so these students need to hear something about possibilities of integrating faith and reason. Uh, in fact, um, natural science and faith are not enemies, uh, but friends, uh, especially in the Catholic intellectual tradition. And students need to hear about that. Um, the other thing, of course, that uh, in all ages and at all times and at all places, uh, believers are interested in the problem of evil. Mm -hmm. um, almost any time when you come across a person who's not just lukewarm about faith, but actually adamantly opposed, uh, I mean, a real atheist, if you talk to such a person, almost always there's some experience of evil in the background that uh, has caused them to take uh, this position. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we do a lot of the um, sort of the classical arguments mm -hmm. uh, about uh, evil. So those are probably the two, uh, the two groups that uh, are especially attracted to the course. You know, Doug, it's, it's great that you raise that. Um, CARA, uh, the Center for Applied Research in the Apostolate, 
did studies on um, attitudes of young people and why they don't believe and why they leave the faith. And um, one of the things you f you speak about is very clear, this notion that one can't uh, believe in, in God and also see the value of science. That again, faith and reason are not together, they're opposed to one another. Except they said the only way uh, that can be corrected and the attitudes are markedly different of students who go to Catholic high schools who see on a regular basis that uh, they're not opposed to one another. But since the majority of young people are not in Catholic schools, uh, therefore they're growing up with this. And I mentioned that uh, because they, they have felt that um, uh, priests in training in seminaries need uh, additional uh, foundations in this whole topic especially as it relates to science, because the only time you really see people, if they are there, or their parents, is at mass. So has to, there has to be some knowledge. There's also, I've talked about this, there was a, a study done by um, St. Mary's in Winona, that's a De La Salle Christian Brothers College, and it was about the people leaving the faith, as young as 11 or 12, and it's called Going, Going, Gone. It lists the reasons they call them, uh, there are the injured, um, the, the drifters, and the dissenters. The injured have had some bad example. Someone has not really modeled the living of the Catholic faith. Uh, the, dis the drifters reflect the mobility of society, going to these large parishes, no connection, no other Catholic of their age to kind of be in a youth group or in a school. And then the dissenters, yes, they disagree with the church and fundamental moral teachings of our church about uh, marriage between a man and a woman, the dignity and sanctity of life from conception and natural death. But what was interesting is in that group of dissenters, one of the things that was brought up is they never had an opportunity to ask questions uh -huh. and have people um, give them the answers that you need, which is so important for you as a professor and your um, uh, colleagues to be able to come with young people and give them this because they won't have it otherwise. And it's almost a, I don't think this is, is a mandatory class, but it should be because of the type of um, attitudes of people and our young people today. And it is part of, as a bishop, as the shepherd of a diocese, I expect the Catholic university when given students in front of them to be able to cover these topics. Yeah. And uh, I haven't seen this study that you refer to, but uh, in, in my experience with teaching these various uh, classes for, for students who are questioning, um, they want uh, a chance to be able to discuss the problem. Mm -hmm. they, don't, uh, they don't want simply an, a canned answer. Yes. That's previous. They they see that immediately, and uh, uh, usually, well, what the skilled teacher does isn't just sort of answer their question. It's uh, to take their question and press it a little further and talk about the uh, what a good answer might mm -hmm. be, or uh, show them all sides, and um, that's usually the most effective mm -hmm. way to get them to start thinking. Uh, alternatively about these things. Uh, teaching now at the university these many years, um, what have you seen in, um, when, when the, you began this, What any change? I mean, are the growth of the, again, whatever culture that doesn't really care, what, what, what are your observations? And we're, we'll continue this after the break. But. Well, um, 
There was a big change. I noticed a big change after the economic collapse mm -hmm. of 2008. Um, suddenly the students, it wasn't as though they were avidly atheist or mm -hmm. something like that, but suddenly they just don't care too much about the big questions. They're worried about getting a job, mm -hmm. understandably so, and uh, you know, paying back their student mm -hmm. loans and so forth. So um, uh, liberal education generally, including philosophy, um, I noticed a big difference in the attitude mm -hmm. of the students after uh, 2008. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to continue this because it is that response to the students and their questions that led to this book. Bishop Tom Dealey again from the Diocese of Spokane, and I'm uh, very fortunate and blessed to have uh, a good friend of the diocese, especially uh, Bishop White Seminary uh, Professor Dr. Uh, Doug Kreese from Gonzaga University, who's written a book, Two Wings, Integrating Faith and Reason, published by Ignatius Press. I would encourage uh, you to... Uh, our listening audience to uh, to buy this book. Uh, the title "Faith and and Two Wings" uh, goes to the document, the encyclical that Saint John Paul wrote uh, tw twenty years ago, uh, promulgated in September of of ninety eight. Faith and Reason, and he writes, Pope John Paul, "Faith and Reason are like two wings on which the human spirit rises to the contemplation of truth, and God has placed in the human heart a desire to know the truth, and a word to know Himself." so that by knowing and loving God, men and women may also come to the fullness of truth about themselves. Thus, the title of the book, Two Wings, Integrating Faith and Reason. Before we took our break, I was asking a professor about the students he's seen, and he talked about uh, after the financial uh, meltdown of, of 08, suddenly students coming in carried maybe an additional burden of worry, uh, and the or the courses I'm going to take is this education I'm receiving that my parents most of the time are making great sacrifices for. Um, is it going to get me a good job? So there's not maybe an openness to the bigger questions, and yet these bigger questions about truth. And I mentioned at the beginning of the show, right now at the crisis of the, in the church, um, Archbishop Vigano's uh, letter with very clear statements uh, calling into question some uh, decisions that were made uh, from the highest levels of the church. And uh, response is, in this controversy, let's get to the truth. Well, in order to find the truth, we have to get beyond emotions and uh, opinions to something more. That's why I believe that this work and the uh, special gathering that will take place in days of September uh, for this anniversary um, are so important. But Professor, back to you. Tell me something about the, the book, how it's divided. You mentioned it came out of kind of the classroom that you and uh, Professor Clayton, Brian Clayton, have done. A little bit more about the book. Sure. Uh, well, let's start with the title, mm -hmm. uh, Two Wings. Um, in fact, people kind of fall into two groups, uh, loosely speaking. They might be rationalists, and they want to uh, try to fly with one wing, namely mm -hmm. that of reason, uh, which when reason is perfected, we call philosophy, um, or with another uh, wing uh, only, the one of faith. One that says, well, we don't really need to think about this. Uh, reason's unreliable uh, anyway. What we need uh, is simply to uh, uh, believe. 
So the book has as its thesis uh, that uh, both wings, it's hard to fly with only one wing. Mm -hmm. And uh, if we're going to uh, find truth, uh, we need uh, every tool we have, and that means both faith uh, and reason. So in the book, um, we begin uh, with this argument between fideists and rationalists. Mm -hmm. Use the examples of Socrates uh, and uh, Abraham or Mary. Uh, you know, Socrates uh, was always interested in the argument. What are the reasons? Mm -hmm. uh, a thousand questions. Um, on the other hand, you have someone like uh, Abraham or Mary. Uh, Behold the handmaiden of mm -hmm. the Lord. Uh, she hears the call and responds in uh, trust. So the first section of the work uh, tries to explore these things and make the claim that, that we, in fact, need both. Uh, the second part, we go into the classical arguments for the existence of uh, God. This is another thing that students are interested in. Uh, it, it, for a lot of them, it never occurred to them that it's possible that there is even anybody who claimed that there was a rational proof mm -hmm. for the existence of God. And so we look at those, uh, uh, examine them. Uh, then in the next section, we talk about natural science and uh, questions mm -hmm. of uh, faith and reason. Um, the uh, co-founder of the Institute, Father Spitzer, of course, was very interested uh, in these questions, and, and his fingerprints are all over mm -hmm. this section uh, of the book, where we talk about uh, arguments from design and uh, cosmological origins and uh, so forth. It's very important because, in fact, a lot of the students that are so interested in natural science are so convinced that natural science is opposed to faith, they're operating with a view of natural science that's out of date. Mm -hmm. They're not really up on quantum physics. They're not really up on Big Bang cosmology. And they don't understand uh, a, a lot of these things. Um, even sometimes students in the natural sciences um, are just kind of behind the times. And so this is an eye-opening uh, uh, part of the book mm -hmm. for some of these students. And then in the last part, we talk about uh, moral and political implications mm -hmm. uh, of this. Um, you mentioned the church's views uh, uh, on marriage. It's between a man and a woman for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, well, uh, is that something that comes from reason or is it something that comes from faith? Um, you know, the church has thought a lot about this mm -hmm. over the centuries, and the, uh, it's good to get those reasons out there in front of the students uh, so that they can think about them also. Uh, so that's kind of the, mm -hmm. the uh, outline of the book. Sure. In the reviews of the book, and I've just been given a copy now, um, what is very clear is that uh, all say that this is a book that you can understand. It's not suddenly you're an overwhelmed freshman dumped into an upper division uh, seminar class. It's practical, it's from written by two professors who have a great deal of experience in dealing with young people who basically remember are just a few years out of grammar school. Yeah. And yet, so you have to be able to take the students where they are and the professors do this. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, so my colleague, uh, Brian Clayton, uh, also teaches a course on C.S. Lewis, and he's mm -hmm. a, a Lewis scholar. And one of the things that we asked ourselves as we were writing this at certain times is now, 
how would Lewis do this? Yes. How would he give the argument? Well, he's always got an analogy mm-hmm. or something like that. So uh, we use a lot of analogies uh, in the book. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to claim that we're as good at this as Lewis himself was, but um, it's a very effective way to, uh, I think, to reach uh, students. Mm-hmm. If you notice, if you, at least in my experience, um, I'm traveling somewhere, I get on a plane, if I happen to be sitting around a young person who's reading something religious, mm-hmm. it's almost always C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we have to take our, uh, uh, take our cue, as it mm-hmm. were, uh, from Lewis's approach. And um, as you say, lots and lots of people have, have told me how readable the book is mm-hmm. and uh, how much they appreciated that. I think uh, as, as um, knowing students, um, again, are seminarians who, who attend uh, uh, Bishop White and attend the university and having uh, my own niece at the university and um, the number of students that from my time in, in high school work, that um, there is this, I think, this yearning uh, f- that we have to, that it is so important that the church, remember sometimes you get a kind of a cocky kid in class uh, accusing the church of being anti-intellectual. And I thought, well, no church operates such an extensive education system um, as, the, as the Catholic church. I mean, from, uh, you know, a, a pre-K until... Uh, medical schools and and the studies that and it's so important when the opportunities again as I mentioned earlier show when the students come uh, I would hope that that all of them would would be able to share in in the wisdom and the commitment for the intellectual search that uh, uh, Professor Kreese and, and, and Clayton uh, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Clayton and and the other professors do that and uh, because Chances are you're not going to be able to have this opportunity again. Well, the t- and I would just add to that or sort of qualify that, that um, yes, you will learn about the Catholic intellectual tradition at Catholic institutions. Uh, I mean, at least ideally, we, we hope that. Uh, but the Catholic intellectual tradition is accessible whether you're in school yes. or, or not. It's a long tradition and... Uh, it takes a lifetime to, to, to really study it, but mm-hmm. um, you don't have to be a student uh, to, to, to get into these uh, important books. What would you recommend outside, of course, your book, uh, Two Wings, again, Integrating Faith and, and Reason by Ignatius Press, other books that you've come along that you think might our listening audience might benefit them who are not students, but might, uh, as they grow in this knowledge, because so much of our culture today it becomes bombastic uh, blasting of the other person based usually on emotion. Uh, how do we keep this in, a, in an intellectual way, in, in, a, in a way that, but yet it's relatable? Anything else that you might, for our listening audience, uh, you might recommend? Mm-hmm. Well, um, probably uh, there are a number of your uh, listeners who remember Father Spitzer mm-hmm. and uh, follow him. And of course, he's a prolific author. Yes. And, uh, you know, uh, Ignatius Press publishes, I don't know how many of, mm-hmm. uh, of his books. Uh, he's one of the, uh, the favorites. Um, Ignatius Press itself is, is working very hard to try to present uh, intellectually competent books to um, an audience of non-specialists. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
So they might look at the Ignatius Press uh, site. That's uh, very good. Um, I myself, uh, well, I mentioned C.S. Lewis. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people find that that's the way back into mm -hmm. the intellectual life of the church for them is uh, C.S. Lewis. Um, now, on a, on a, you know, if you really uh, want to uh, uh, delve deeper, um, Augustine's Confessions is mm -hmm. a book that's that's always new and always fresh uh, for readers. And of course, he struggled with these problems of faith and sure. reason, the intersection of philosophy and Christian mm -hmm. faith. Um, uh, excellent uh, in that way. So I, I highly recommend uh, Augustine. Um, some people find uh, John Henry Cardinal Newman, mm -hmm. okay, um, remember a fellow I knew, a teacher who uh, had been in the seminary for a time, didn't stay with it, but he said, you know, I was out there in the summer uh, working with, uh, going around, doing my thing, mm -hmm. trying to talk to people in the parish, and, you know, they weren't real intellectual, a lot of them. But they knew that there had been this guy, John Henry Newman, Newman and, and he had the answers to the questions, even if they uh, didn't. And so, uh, you know, Newman might Good. be someone. Well, you've given a lot of names and choices. Just again, I thank uh, Dr. Doug Kreese from, from Gonzaga University. Walking in Faith with Bishop Daly is a production of the Catholic Diocese of Spokane. Walking to Faith is produced and edited by Mitchell Palmquist. It can be heard on Sacred Heart Radio, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcasting apps.